Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. Over the past several weeks, if you've not been with us, we've been talking about some pretty heavy stuff. We've been talking about how we could stand in adversity and how we may have to make some choices farther, maybe sooner than later in our lives if we want to follow Jesus. Uh, we talked about, you know, basically the spiritual battle that we're in. And, and I ain't going to lie, this week has been awful for me. Monday morning, I got up and let my dogs out like I normally do. And my girl dog went to the road and she got ran over. And I've heard stories from other people say, we just been, I'm not saying that to get an O, but that's just how my week started. After speaking about spiritual warfare last week, and let me tell you what, the devil will use anything that he can to disrupt your week. And this week, as you're getting ready to hear this message, this has been a hard, this is a very hard, this is a very timely message. And it's just been one of those things that I really feel like God, in the time that we're in right now, it's time to quit talking about all the fluffy stuff. It's time to quit talking about everything that people want to hear. It's time to, because listen, we're accountable for this congregation. The choices that we make and the things that we speak about are uh, your, your souls, your blood of your souls are on us. So if you don't know something, it's on us to tell you what we believe. And let me just be, let me preface this. We're going to talk about the signs of the times next week. And sometimes that scares people, but it's like, that's what people are searching for on YouTube and Googling right now. But can I be clear to you that I am not a Bible scholar? I didn't even graduate college after six or seven years. I'm not a theologian. I'm not an expert. But what we try to ask you to do, we, and Pastor Minnie has said this many times, we ask you to search the scriptures for yourself. Because the Bible is a light to our feet, but also it could be a different light than what, you, what I see and what you see. I've had people get in total arguments over the signs of the times. They wouldn't talk to each other for six months. I'm like, I don't know, have all the answers. But that book does, and so does God. So we're going to ask you, and also the Bible says that if you don't know it, the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. So... Over the next last few weeks and next couple weeks, I'm going to ask you to let the spirit of truth speak to you. If there's something that maybe you've heard that you maybe, oh, I have, it's not the way that I was raised. Hey, listen, I can tell you exactly how I was raised. I'm giving you basic things during this week and the next week that I believe you need to hear. It may not be 100% the way that you were raised or the way that you heard it, but it's the way the Holy Spirit wants me to say it to you. So you got to go home and search it out yourself. So let's continue to be a little controversial. I'm going to ask you a question. How many of y'all believe in heaven? How many of y'all believe in hell? About everybody said the same thing. Good. We got a good truth-telling church here. But many believe in heaven, and there's movies called, you know, Heaven is for Real and 90 Minutes in Heaven, and Heaven is Waiting, and 50, listen to me, 59% of Americans believe that heaven is real. 10 years ago, that was 
Wow. We feel like everybody who's good is going to heaven and we go to, a, I've preached funerals and it's been hard sometimes, but we, we say that they're up there looking down on us and, and they're up there in a better place. And, 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 and you know what? They're up there with the angels. There's a movie that's out right now calling about afterlife and talking about life and death experiences, death experiences and people that go to heaven and to hell. Can I tell you that approximately 105, let's just, Listen, let's put our spiritual ears on this morning. Let's not get offended. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Approximately 105 people die every minute in this world. Every minute. But the reality of that is not all people go to heaven. In fact, most people don't. Look at Matthew 7, 13. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. 14 says, because narrow is the gate and difficult the way which leads to life, and there are few, few that find it. The title of my message this morning is Real as Hell. That's a good redneck country title, ain't it? That thing is real as hell. But listen, I struggled with this because of the way I was raised. I struggled with this because I heard about hell almost every week. And I said, the people won't receive it or it's not a popular thing or, or, or they're going to be scared to death when they hear about it. But let me tell you something. In this church world today, we've become so hyper-graced. Oh, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. You can live any way that you want to and still go to heaven. Oh, that's another whole sermon right there. It's about eternal life, but it's about eternal life in heaven and not in another place. It's about a blessed life and a comfortable life. But Jesus said, listen, we are going to be blessed. But he also said, you ain't going to be comfortable in this world. Because if you're comfortable in this world, I'm telling you, you are fitting in too much. Because God has called us in the time that we're living in right now to come out of our comfort zones. Not to be comfortable in our padded, I used to say pews, but they're padded chairs. And come out and speak the truth. Billy Graham, one of my heroes, over 60 years of preaching, he said this. If there was more preaching on hell in the pulpit... There will be less living like hell in the pews. I think pastors and not just evangelists. Oh, help me, Jesus. When I first started speaking, I was an evangelist. I could go in and I could preach hell. I could preach repentance. I could preach whatever I want to for three or four days. And I got to ride right out of town on my horse. But if more pastors started preaching the truth, started preaching about something that, that is undeniably the truth that there are consequences there are eternal consequences to unbelief I used to say years ago they'll say it all because I'm telling my age YOLO you only live once can I tell you that's false you will spend eternity listen this is not just for you we want people who are watching on YouTube to have a revelation of God over these next few weeks 
It's not for the people. And thank you guys for being here this morning. If it's your first time, you're like, what the heck did we just walk into? That's okay. I'm here to do what God tells me to do. The Bible says we're not to please man. And once you know something, you can't unknow it. I'm going on. I'm in trouble. Jesus himself talked about hell three times more than heaven. Listen to what he said in Matthew 10, 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Mark 9, 34. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Man, that sounds extreme, doesn't it? This is Jesus talking right here. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands and go to hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Currently, 53% believe in hell. 10 years ago, it was 67%. You see where our culture is going to. You see where, where our belief systems, even in Christian people, are going to. They want to discard things. They want to put their head in the sand and not talk about it. Now, if I preach on hell every week, y'all can have a way to, you can not come. That's okay. But the reality is people think hell is where only the bad people go. I can remember this. My dad been serving the Lord as long as I can remember. And his main thing was to say, listen, I don't cuss like those Christians do. He played on a church softball team. He said, you want to see some real Christians out there, go play softball with them. But he said, I don't cuss like they do. I don't drink like they do. I don't do the things that they do. And his was righteousness. Well, if I don't do that, I'm surely going to go to heaven. And listen, the church doesn't even talk about it anymore. And a matter of fact, the NIV, the NLT, the Amplified, the Message, they skipped this verse. This is the King James. Look it up if you don't believe me. Mark 9, 44 in the King James Version says this. Where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. There's a little asterisk there. They skip right over top of that one. But can I tell you something? I wish I forgot my towel. Gravity is still gravity whether you believe it or not. I was going to throw my towel up in there and watch it fall. I forgot it. What you see, gravity is still real even though you don't see it even though you can't touch it, even though you can't smell it with Pastor Mindy's nose. <laughs> Heaven is real, and let me tell you, so is hell. And hell is a physical place. Prove it to us. Here's the other thing, too, I want to preface. It was not intended for any of us. That's what Mark 25 says. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, this is in judgment, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. It was not prepared for us. It was not made for us. But when he created in the garden, right in the middle of that garden, he put a choice. Ooh, it's crickets in here this morning. But right in the middle of that garden, he put a choice because God did not want robots God did not want people to serve him just because, oh, I'm the almighty God. No, he wanted to give us a choice. And what happened, the reason that hell is here is because we made a bad choice in the garden. 
And sometimes making bad choice will cost you. Sometimes your, your criminal record's still showing up right now some 20 years later, right? Come on, bad relationships and bad choices have, have haunted you, right? Come on, bad financials. Right now, I should already have... I should already have a beach house, but I made so many bad choices back in my 20s and 30s. Right now, I could kick myself. I had a, oh, I had, I should have had two or three million dollars by now. But I made some bad choices. And now what you're doing is you're living those choices out from your past. How you choose determines how long it takes you to get to your destination. If you choose right, you listen. The Bible says, train up your children in the way that they'll go. If you start them when they're little, if you start spanking, oh, help me, Jesus. Uh, you start whooping their little butts when they're two or three years old, you're not going to have to worry about that. Train them up when they're young. And when they're old, they're not going to cause you problems. They're not going to cause you. Oh, listen, my mom and daddy trained me good. I still caused them problems. But do the best that you can without killing them, please. 2 Corinthians says this. But fortunately, unfortunately, in the garden, we made the bad choice. And when we made the bad choice, it opened the door to sin and also to judgment. 2 Corinthians says this, 5.10. For we must all stand before Christ and be judged. All. A-L-L. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Can I just tell you, you can't have mercy without judgment. I love the prodigal son. It's my favorite. Standing on the porch waiting for his son to go home. His son had made a mess out of his life. There was mercy, there was grace, and there was forgiveness when he came back home. But here's a real story, not a parable. That was a parable of the father's love. But here's a real story. Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and he fared sumptuously each day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at the gate. He desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. What was this man's sin? Not a sin to be rich. It's a sin to be greedy. And what happens is, is when, when pleasure comes and, and, and money comes, it can dull your senses to the things that are around you. He was unconcerned. He passed that man each and every day, and he was unconcerned about who he was. Can I just tell you, I have started praying for homeless people as I'm, as I'm seeing them. I don't want to be unconcerned. And I know what y'all said, all they want is money. And I'm not up here trying to... Right or wrong. I've just started saying, bless them, Lord. God, I don't know what they're going through. You don't know where they've been. It ain't for us to judge. Because we, we were just about one choice away from being where they were at. Oh, that was not even in my notes. Sometimes we need to start praying for people that we don't know their circumstances instead of judging them. But he passed this guy every, day, every week, every day and looked at him. And so verse 22 says this, so that it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, which is a reflection of heaven. And the rich man also died and was buried. Can I just tell you, death comes to everyone. It does not matter your social 
It doesn't matter your financial positioning. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor. It's coming for you unless Jesus comes and takes us out of here. Matthew Perry, the actor, died yesterday. After, an addiction, after a long battle with addiction, he slumped into a bathtub and he drowned. That dude was so funny. Almost as funny as me. But you don't know how much time you have. I'm sure that's not, but, but, but he was famous. It doesn't matter. Death comes to each and every one of you from the least to the greatest. The Bible says it's appointed for men once to die, this physical death. But after this, the judgment. Look at verse 23. This is the rich man. And being in torment in Hades, which is another form of hell. I'm not going to go too deep. He lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus was right there in his bosom. Then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And said Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in these flames. But Abraham said, son, big word, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are in torment. Hell is real. Flames are real. People, people want to say it's just a, uh, a kind of, eh, you know, put it up there. It's a real thing. And in hell, your, your senses are heightened. It says he saw Lazarus. He remembered those things. So many things bad about eternity is this. It's never going to end. And you're going to have to remember and meditate on everything that you should have done, that you didn't do, that you... Come on, we, some of us live in regret. I know this is hard. I know it is. But some of us live in regret on earth for the, for the mistakes that we've done. And we do that over a 30, 40, 50 year period. Can you imagine in a time where it never ends and you keep thinking about the same thing that you should have done, that you could have done, that you had the opportunity to do? Man, I feel like that old Pentecostal preacher with the tie on up here. Hell is a place that you're going to remember. It's a place of hopelessness. The Bible says hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. You have hope right now as long as you're taking a breath, but there comes a time when you take your last breath, there's no more hope for you. And here's the biggest thing about separation and being in a place. It's separation from God. That's going to be probably the hardest. Well, no, no, no. You were made in the image of Christ. You have him inside of you. You breathe God. So for, for eternity, you're going to be separated from the only thing that you could have gotten out of life. Oh, you think your bank account matters. You think your achievements matter. I'm going to tell you something. When you're separated from God, nothing else matters. Verse 26. And besides all this, between us, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here cannot and those who want to pass here can't come here either there is no more mercy I, I know this is hard there is no more mercy there is no more grace when you take your last breath if you don't know Jesus I've had people say well you know can you they were already passed can you pray for them and I want to say 
I can pray a prayer over you. I can pray for your family. I can pray the peace over you, but I don't want to say that I, I can't really pray anymore for that situation because there's no coming back. You're going, to expend, you're going to spend eternity in one of two places. You're going to spend it in either heaven or in hell. Verse 27, it says this, I beg you, therefore, he figures it out, right? This is the, the rich man. I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him, send Lazarus to my father's house. Go tell him. You don't want to. Go tell him. You don't want to come here. I've, I've listened to some videos, and I'm going to tell you something. Some of them are cry, cry. Some of them are not. And there have been people that, that literally have gotten another chance to come back and said, and the words that came out of saying, go back and tell them they don't want to come here. I know that's chilling and it's hard to understand sometimes, but it's not prepared for you. It was intended for the devil and his demons. Remember it says, everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. But I'm gonna give you just as straight up like this. If you don't accept Jesus and the gift of his salvation and make him Lord of your life, that's the destination that you're going to choose. Revelation says this, but the cowardly, I put not standing up. We don't think that's a sin, but we got to stand up for what is right and who we are. But the cowardly, not standing up, unbelieving, abominable, murderous, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. If, y'all, if you a liar, stop it now. Come on. Y'all have been around somebody can't tell the truth. I ain't need that's another message too. And all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 20, 15 says this, And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the Bible talking. This ain't me telling you. This is what the scriptures are saying. But you say God is just and he has mercy. But let me just tell you something. Man is sinful. Romans 3, 23 says this, For all. Didn't say a couple people. says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Listen, I, 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 I copied and pasted this because it was just too good for me to try to make it my own. So I stole it. Here we go. I didn't steal it. I'm, no, I borrowed it. They get on me for saying that. I borrowed this from the internet. Here we go. Illustration of justice and mercy. Two men went through school, university together and developed a relationship, friendship. Life went on and they went their separate ways and they lost contact. One went on to become a judge while the other's life spiraled downward and he ended up in the criminal world. One day the criminal appeared before the judge. He had committed a crime to which he pled guilty. The judge recognized his old friend and faced this dilemma, which is in fact what God faces. He was a judge, so he had to be just. He couldn't simply just let the man off But on the other hand, he wanted to have mercy because he loved his friend. So he fined him the correct penalty for his offense. That was justice. But then he came down off of his, came down around, grabbed hold of this guy, and he wrote him a check for the amount that he had just paid. 
He gave to his friends saying that he would pay the penalty for him. That was an act of mercy. That was an act of love. And that was an act of sacrifice. Come on, let me tell you something. I'm keeping reading. God is not soft on crime. In his justice, God judges us because, you know why he judges us? Because we're guilty. But our sentence was much worse than some criminal offense. Ours was the penalty of facing death. And the cost was greater. And the cost that Jesus put out there was more than money. It showed mercy and love. And he would sacrifice the greatest thing that he had, his only son. He came himself in the person of Jesus and he paid the penalty for our sin. Listen, when you look at a cross, you should look at that cross and it should remind you of what Jesus did for you. He came down there, he paid the penalty for your sins. Your father in heaven loves you so much way more than the earthly parents can. God loved us so much that he made a way of escape. Even though we'd messed up, even though we'd made bad choices, he made a way of escape. John 3, 16, if you can't quote it, you need to learn it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish should not go to hell, but have everlasting life. Christ died for our sins, and here's the good part about it. He didn't wait till we had it all together. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He didn't say, well, I hope they, uh, well, maybe they can pay some restitution. Or No, no, no. He didn't wait till you had it all together. He died for you in the... I'm talking to somebody this morning. He died for you in the shape that you're in sitting in here this morning. So I'm right now, in the name of Jesus, I've taken away all the shame and the regret and the guilt and everything that's over someone right now. I want you to release that right now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. He came to release all of those things. While we were yet sinners, he died. And here's the good thing. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Revelations in the King James, the most holy version. I am he that liveth and was dead couldn't find it in the other ones. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys to hell and to death. How can a loving God, people say this all the time. How can a loving God send anyone to hell? I'm going to prove to you right now that God ain't sending no one to hell. Romans 8, 38 says, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. No height, no depth, no other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He is chasing you. He is pursuing you. He's going to the highest highs with you and he's going with the lowest lows with you. When you're in heaven, he's with you. When you're going through hell, he's with you. Come on. Yeah, it's heavy to talk about hell, but I don't need, it's even better to talk about who's on our side. He's chasing you down. He's not, he won't relent. I love that song. He's, not, he, he's relentless. I don't even know the name of it. All right, sing it. He's relentless. He's looking for you. He's chasing you. He's looking over Silas right now. He says, that's going to be a child of my God right now. 
He loves you so much. Oh, help me, Jesus. My arm's going numb. He loves you so much that he gives you a choice. It's up to you. If you're watching out there on social media land, it's up to you to make the choice this morning. It's up to you to choose life. And by not choosing, you choose death. Come on, that's just as bad as not making a choice. It matters how we choose to live. It matters what we, we, we do in life. And accepting and rejecting Jesus can affect your eternity for the good and for the bad. And can I tell you as you, yeah, go ahead and stand on your feet for me, please. I want this to sink in just for a minute while everybody's standing up. Accepting Jesus as your personal savior is more than a prayer. It starts with a prayer. It starts with a heart that's open to him. It's more than just going to church. And in the Christian world right now, we only go one time out of four. Oh, helpless Jesus. It's not about living a good lifestyle and, and, and I'm, I don't do those things that they do and I must be good enough. No, no, no. It's accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And then it's accepting him and walking that thing out. Because walking, saying the prayer is the easy part. I know you've heard me say this before. But walking out into this world right now and proclaiming who Jesus is is the hard part. This morning, some of y'all might be saying, man, he sounds like he's spreading a lot of fear. But the Bible says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I don't want to fear you into anything. I just want you to know that there is a God up there that loves you more than any. You can't even fathom how much he loves you. There's also a God that's going to stand. You're going to have to stand before one day. And you're going to have to give an accounting of how you spent your life. And then say, did you accept me? And you might say, no, I, I, you're going to start giving all the things you did. And he's going, no, wait a minute. I asked the question, did you accept Jesus? As your Savior. An old hymn that says amazing grace, part of it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." There's two things that taught us how to be fear, have, have fear for the Lord, but also said, God, you got me. I believe you. And can I just tell you this much right now? We're gonna have an open altar right here in just a minute. We're gonna have a prayer team on the left and the right. And, and I believe repentance is in the house. And you may say, well, I don't know if I want to walk up there. I don't, I don't care if you walk up here or not, but there's something freeing about us taking a step out and walking around this altar. But I believe that repentance right now is going to be the key to where God is taking his church right now. And I believe that right now it starts with us it, today, not tomorrow. Because let me just tell you something. We've all had things, and I'm not saying you guys say, I'm sorry, seven million times a day, but there are things in our life that we need to repent about. Pastor, you're stepping all over our toe. I don't, you know, I wore my boots this morning. It's okay. 
because you know, because I told you this morning. This morning, I'm going to ask you to take a step out and pray around these altars. I'm going to ask you to come and bring that thing to Jesus and say, God, I've been, I've been struggling with this too long. And you've been talking to me about it. Holy Ghost, you've been really working on me. This morning is the time that you're going to free it up and we'll say, okay, we're not leaving here with it again. You know why? Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. You don't know if that's even going to come. But if not salvation, today is the day of repentance. Today is the day God said, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) I'm messing it up and I need you to help me fix it this morning. So as they get ready to sing this song, I'm gonna ask you to flood these altars and just cry out to him this morning. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon.